The following message, entitled, And the Walls Came a Tumbling Down, Part 7 of the series Courageous Faith, was given by Mark Altrogi on the 6th of September, 2015. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. All right, this morning's message is called, And the Walls Came a Tumbling Down, from the kids' song about the fall of Jericho. Anybody know that song? Anybody ever? Few people. Few people. You went to Bible camp. Well, I'll, I'll sing the chorus. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came a tumbling down. You may talk about your men of Gideon. You may talk about your men of Saul. But there's none like good old Joshua at the battle of Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. 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 Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. And the walls came tumbling down. Right up to the walls of Jericho. They marched with spear in hand. Come sound them ram horns. Joshua cried because the battle is in my hand. Everybody. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. 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 Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. One more verse. Then the lamb ram sheep horns began to blow, and the trumpets began to sound. Joshua told the children to shout that morning, and the walls came tumbling down. Fortushniks, sing it. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came a-tumbling down. Hey, good job, you guys. I sort of feel like Bill Murray in a nightclub or something. And you, sir, where are you from? <laughs> Having a good time this morning? Well, if this is your first Sunday, we don't normally do that. Just try to do something to wake everybody up. Well, you may have noticed... But God isn't even mentioned once in that song. <laughs> Actually, Jesus is the star of the story. Actually, the battle wasn't in Joshua's hand. The battle was in God's hand. And the fall of Jericho is all about God. God is the hero. It's about God's timing, God's warrior, God's ways, God's warning, and God's salvation. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be a super long message because we had those points, but God is this star of the story, and, and uh, so we're going to look at that this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we pray that it would encourage us, that you would encourage us, that you would speak to us this morning, Lord, and reveal yourself to us, because you are the star of the story. It's all about you, Lord, and your power, and I pray that you would encourage us that you are in our lives fighting for us and that you are a holy God who should be feared and, Lord, that we can trust you for all that is in our lives. We just pray that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first of all, this isn't necessarily a real 
crucial part of the story of the fall of Jericho. But as I was reading, as I was studying this, I, I thought, I just have to make a couple comments about this. And the first thing is God's timing. So we're in Joshua chapter 5, verse 10, and it says, While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Now Israel had spent 40 years in the wilderness God had miraculously held back the waters of the Jordan and brought them into the promised land. They're camped at Gilgal. But before they were to take the land, as Bob talked about last week, God had them circumcise themselves to renew their covenant and commitment to God. Then, as our passage says, they kept the Passover. And that reminded them as we heard earlier this morning, of the blood of the lambs and how that God had delivered them out of Egypt and how when God saw the blood, He passed over their houses. And so, so they're renewing their devotion to God. They're reminding themselves of how God had saved them and delivered them. And He passed over their houses, saved them from Egypt. And it says, and the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. Now for 40 years in the desert, they had been eating manna every day. Manna. Manna for breakfast, manna for lunch, manna for dinner. Manna cakes, manna cotti. They'd been eating manna. I don't know why I said that. Please forgive me. <laughs> just came into my mind as I looked at Tony Versace. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> they had been eating manna for 40 years. 40 years. And now, on the day after they remind themselves of how God saved them, on that very day they eat of the produce of the land for the first time. God had kept His promise. He had brought them into the promised land. And now this eating of the food of the promised land for the first time is a pledge that God's going to give them the whole land. That He's going to keep his promise. Can you imagine how good those cakes and grain tasted after 40 years of manna? I can just see them saying, oh man, mmm, mmm. Is this hand shucked grain? Mmm, mmm. Just loving that food. And, and then it says, and the manna ceased. The day after they ate of the produce of the land. The very day they eat the produce of the land. That morning they had probably eaten manna. That evening they eat of the produce of the land. The next day the manna ceases. And what strikes me is God's perfect timing. The very day. And the day after Passover on that very day. 
they ate of the produce of the land. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. God has a perfect timing for everything in our lives. There are no accidents with God. With God, nothing will come too late. With God, nothing comes at the wrong time. He has a perfect time to meet your needs. He has a perfect time to save our loved ones. He has a perfect time for you to meet your future husband. He has a, future, he has a perfect time for your manna to cease if you are in a situation that you just feel is just never ending. God has a perfect time for your life and my life. If you're going through a tough time, God has a perfect time for that trial to cease. Keep trusting God. Keep praying. Keep asking, seeking, and knocking. Keep waiting. God has a perfect timing for everything in our lives. Now, if that was the only thing we got out of that, I think that would be pretty good. I was in, so encouraged when I read that and as, I was, as I've been meditating on that, as I've been thinking about different things I'm praying for and asking God for. He has a perfect time. He had a perfect time to save me. He has a perfect time to save our children, our grandchildren. He has a perfect timing in our lives. Next, we meet God's warrior, so verse 13 says, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Joshua may have been taking a walk, trying to figure out how, how are we going to take this massive fortress of Jericho and when he, he looks up, he sees a warrior standing there with his sword drawn. And he immediately runs up to him because he appears to be a man. And he says, whose side are you on? Are you going to fight for us, our enemies? And he says, that's not really the main issue here. He says, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And it says, Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped him and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? The, the warrior identifies himself the, the commander of the army of the Lord. In other words, I am the commander of the army of heaven. I'm the commander of the hosts of heaven. This is an Old Testament or a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus. This is Jesus. This person is clearly God because Joshua falls on his face and worships him. Anytime anybody tried to fall on their face and worship an angel, the angel would say, don't do that. I'm not God. Get up. This is God. This is a, a, an Old Testament manifestation of Jesus. And Jesus says, now I have come. 
He's clearly saying, I will fight your battle. I will fight with my eternal power. I will command all the hosts of heaven to take this city. Exodus 15.3 says, The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. The new NIV version says, The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is His name. And Isaiah 47.4 says, Our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, is His name, is the Holy One of Israel. In the book of Revelation 19 says, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He has a cloth in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is who appears to Joshua, the commander of the hosts of heaven. Jesus, He's a warrior. The commander of the army of the Lord. We don't often think of Jesus as a warrior. We often think of Him as meek and mild. And, and we, we've seen pictures of Jesus knocking on the door. Like, please let me in. In, in movies sometimes, I remember when I was a kid, movies would portray Jesus. He's sort of wimpy and he spoke in a Shakespearean accent. And, Suffer the little children to come to me. You know, but Jesus is an awesome, fearful warrior. He is mighty. He is terrifying to his enemies. And he's on our side. He is fearful and majestic and powerful. So Joshua wasn't going to lead the battle. The battle wasn't in Joshua's hand, as that little song says. Jesus was going to lead the battle. Even as Israel went to fight, Jesus would be the one who would overthrow his enemies. What an encouragement that must have been to Joshua as he, as he looked at this, what appeared to be an impregnable fortress. What an encouragement that the commander of the armies of heaven would be fighting for him. And it's an encouragement for you and for me. Jesus is fighting for us he fights for His people. He crushes the enemy under His feet on your behalf. Jesus is our mediator on the throne day and night, interceding for us. A mighty warrior. That's, that's why we can have hope that we can be victorious in this life. Because it's not just you and me trying to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, you know, and somehow make it through this Christian life. And I just hope I have the strength to do this. Well, Jesus has the strength. He'll fill us with His Holy Spirit. And He will fight for us. You're not alone. Don't forget, Jesus told Israel this in Deuteronomy 1.30. The Lord your God who goes before you will Himself fight for you just as He did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And He tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, 
thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God we can be victorious in this life. We, we are not doomed to a life of failure. God wants us to have a life of victory. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Romans 8.37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Through Him who loved us, we're more than conquerors. We, we will all go through hard times and tough things. The Bible says that God's people will go through all kinds of hard things, but we're more than conquerors in them. Through Jesus, our mighty warrior. If you don't remember anything else today, when you leave here, I hope you just say, I am not alone. I am not alone. The commander of the hosts of heaven is fighting for me. Now God shows us His ways. God's timing, God's warrior, God's ways. It says now, verse 1 of chapter 6, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. I like the way God puts us at times in impossible situations to show His power and glory. Jer Jericho is locked up tight. Israel has no way they can conquer this city. It's massive. They, they, Israel has no catapults. They don't have any battering ram. They don't even have any horses. Israel hadn't fought any battles. They don't, they don't know anything about war. This is a whole new generation that's come through, through the desert. I mean, they, they had probably done some practice at battle because they had warriors, but uh, compared to the, the warriors in Jericho, verse 2 says, See, I've given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. I mean, this is an impossible situation, and God loves to show us His power in impossible situations because His ways are not our ways. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? We, we get into a, a hard situation or maybe a financial tough situation, and we're always trying to figure out how we're going to solve this. And we worry about it and we fret and we think, well, if I don't, if this doesn't happen, I guess I can get a third job and a fourth job. And then if this doesn't happen, I guess I can sell my porcelain collection. You know, we're always trying to figure it out. And God says, I've got a completely different solution than you can even imagine. So just relax. <laughs> God's ways are not our ways. And then God goes on to show him even further that God's ways are not our ways. And so in verse 2, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's already done. With its king and mighty men of valor. And here's what he says. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. So they had some guys who were trained for battle. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark, the ark of the covenant. 
On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. Imagine Joshua repeating this back to the Lord. So, we're going to have armed men and then seven priests blowing seven horns in front of the Ark of the Covenant, and then a rear guard, then all the people, and we're going to march around the city with the priests blowing horns. And all the people are going to be totally silent. We'll do this one time the first day and then go back to the camp. And then we come back on Tuesday or whatever the second day was, and we're going to just walk around the city blowing horns. And then come back and do that for six days. And then on the seventh day, we do this seven times and blow the horns and we give a shot and the wall will fall down. And we go up and take the city. Right. God's ways are not our ways. Who would have ever imagined this is the way they're going to conquer Jericho by blowing horns and shouting? Like that's really like horns and shouting could knock down a wall. God's ways don't always make sense to us. What do you mean I'm supposed to love my enemies? What do you mean, Jesus, that I'm supposed to bless those who curse me and do good to those who abuse me? What, what do you mean I'm supposed to keep myself sexually pure before marriage? Nobody does that. What do you... What do you mean I'm supposed to forgive people who sin against me? God's ways don't make sense to us in our, in our natural way of thinking. What do you mean I'm supposed to humble myself and lay down my life and serve others and put them in front of me? What do you mean I'm not supposed to be anxious about tomorrow when I can't see where the money's going to come from? See, God's ways are not our ways. He tells us what to do in Scriptures. And we sang a song a few weeks ago, Trust and Obey. Trust and Obey. God says, bless those who curse you. Okay, I really feel like cursing them back, but I'm going to trust you, God. Lord, bless that person. I just pray you'd bless them. We trust and obey. So Israel trusts. God and obeys him. And so it says in verse 6, So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant. Let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city. Let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the Ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once. They came into the camp, spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord 
walked on, and they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them, and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. See, they were obeying God in faith. They were trusting God. They're walking around the city. The people are silent. The horns are blowing. They could have been thinking, what in the world are we doing? What? This is crazy. We are just walking around this city blowing horns. And they're just being quiet. And God's ways are not our ways. They're, think about it. They're blowing these useless trumpets. That's the way they could have thought about it. These are, this is strange to me. It's a strange way to conquer a city. And imagine the inhabitants of Jericho up on the walls going, whoa, trumpets! Oh, you guys are so scary! Wow! Ooh! Hey, you know any Herb Alpert songs? <laughs> you know, the God's ways just look crazy. Sometimes God, God tells us to do things that go against the grain of ourselves. You know, we're to humble ourselves and, and put pride to death. That's not, the, what, that's not what our culture says. We need to obey God in faith. We need to do what God says. We can feel this way about giving financially. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And we can say, oh man, if I give, I'm not going to have enough here. If I, if I give to this person, this poor person who's asking me, and, and Jesus says, give to everyone who asks you. He says, we'll be blessed. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap bountifully. God's ways don't make sense to our human minds, but he, he, if we obey them, he will bless us. God, like I said earlier, God is the star of the story. And, and one of the things that just comes out as we read this passage is it's, it's not Joshua who's the star. It's not the people of Israel. It's the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is mentioned ten times in this passage. And the Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence with Israel. The presence of God is there. God is with us. The, the warrior, the, the, the captain, the commander of the armies of the Lord is with His people. He was at the center. It's the ark. It was the presence of God that was going around the city. See, we don't always understand God's ways, but one thing we can know even though we don't understand God's ways, we have God's presence if we believe in Jesus. We have the presence of God. And so in Isaiah 43, 2, he says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. See, I will be with you. God is with you. If you believe, in Jesus, if you have put your trust and hope in Him, if you are seeking to obey His ways even though you don't understand it, He is with you. God is with us. 
What, what more do we need? See, they, they didn't need weapons. They didn't need battering rams. They didn't need all of the standard ways to assault a city because they had God with them. But God gives them a warning. It's interesting. This is an interesting warning here. It says on, in verse 15, on the seventh day, this is the seventh day, this is the day they're going to walk around the city seven times. They rose early at the dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you, keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all the silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So, after they go around the city seven times, they are probably stoked. They are ready to shout. They've been doing this for a week and they haven't shouted. He's finally told them, after this seventh time, you're going to shout when I tell you. And he tells them, shout! And the reader is on the edge of his seat. Okay, let's shout. He's waiting for the shout. And then the author inserts this reminder about Rahab. And he inserts a serious warning. But you, keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. Now, one of the commentaries, commentators that I read said, Joshua may not have actually said that right then. That he had probably instructed them about this in the camp before they went around the city. When he said, and it comes time to shout... Want to spare Rahab because she she hid the spies, and I want to give you a warning: Don't be tempted to take some of the stuff you find for yourself. Don't be tempted when you are taking uh, the city, then you go into a house and there's a gold idol there. Don't be tempted to take that. Don't be tempted to take the things that are devoted to destruction. He had probably warned them about that ahead of time, so that when he said shout, they probably shouted. But even if he inserted it here, it's, it's a strong warning. And what, what, is, what he's saying is you're going to be tempted. Even in this victory that God has given you, even as you're going forth in victory in this life, we will be tempted. We will be tempted to love the world. We will be tempted to give in to sin. We will be tempted even as God Himself is giving us victory. And so He warns us he warns Israel, in this world, we're tempted. We're tempted to love money. We're tempted to sexual sin. We're tempted to love the approval of men. We're tempted to lie. We're tempted to steal. We're tempted in all kinds of ways. And so we have warnings in the New Testament, like 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know, Jesus 
Satan tempted Jesus this way. Matthew 4, 8 and 9 says, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. And Jesus, we, we tend to think that it was, it was just nothing for him to be tempted. He was tempted. He never sinned. But the temptations were real to Jesus. And Satan showed Jesus all the glory of this world. And if, if he did it to Jesus, he's going to do it to us. He's going to tempt us. And so even as we are going ahead and, and following Jesus and pursuing Him hard as disciples, and even as we're seeking to, to gain victory and put sin to death, and even as He's giving us victory, we have to be on our guard. Last night I, I talked to the teens. I, I uh, came to transform and talked about how Satan tempts us. Satan tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden. She said, God said, if we eat of this tree, we'll die. And he says, you're not going to die. God knows you'll be like him. You'll have your eyes open to good and evil. You're not going to die. Hey, you can sin. You can sin a little bit. What's one bite out of a piece of fruit? It's not going to hurt you. See, Satan lies to us. He, he wants us to fall and and he's tempting believers i just just within the last two weeks a i mentioned this to the kids last night young men and women not kids just within the last couple weeks a man that i've known for many years who is a pastor he's been a pastor for 26 years he was caught soliciting a prostitute. He had been to a website where he was trying to make connections and then he made some connections. He met somebody. He was offering money for services and the police had gotten onto him and the police came and he was caught pastor, senior pastor of a church, 26 years, and I know this guy. When I heard it, I was, I was shaken to the core. I was thinking, oh, Lord God, help me fear you. Help me to fear you. Keep me from falling into sin. Lord, deliver me from temptation. See, we pray the, the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, and, and it's very most, more, more likely, we say a hundred times more, give us this day our daily bread, than we say, deliver us from evil and lead us not into temptation. Oh, temptation is very real. I, 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 I just want to fear the Lord more and more. I want us as a church to fear the Lord more and more. I want us to heed this warning. Be, be careful, Joshua says. Be careful when you're going in and you see these attractive things. See, we wouldn't sin if, if it looked disgusting to us. The world is, has attractions. And so I tried to appeal last night to the young men and women at Transform. Fear God. Fear the Lord. And finally, you know, the walls come down. 
The walls come a-tumbling down. In verse 20 it says, So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout. And the wall fell flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys with the edge of the sword. We don't have time to go into all this. This is difficult to understand some of these passages, but they, they, it was God's judgment that He had been withholding for hundreds and hundreds of years. Withholding judgment, and finally now judgment comes. And it's interesting, the fall of the wall and the taking of the city are only two verses. It's almost like an afterthought. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And they shouted and the walls came down and they destroyed the city. It's, it's the emphasis is in the passage is clearly on God. God the warrior. God's ways. God's warning. God. The falling down of the walls is, is almost like an afterthought. And then there's just a, a mention of God's salvation. And I, I preached on Rahab a few weeks ago, so I'm not going to elaborate much, but it says, but to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her because she had protected them. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Rahab heard about the living God. She feared Him and she turned to Him for mercy. She believed in Him and God saved her from destruction and her family. And so we have once again God. God's salvation. And so I just want to ask this question as we wrap it up. Is God the star of your life? God is the star of this passage. God is the center of this passage. Is God the center of our lives? Don't forget, God's timing. God has a perfect time for everything in your life. Don't forget God's warrior, Jesus, Almighty God who fights for you. Don't forget God's ways. They, they, they don't always line up with our thoughts, but we need to trust and obey God. Don't forget God's warning. Let us fear God and flee from the temptations of the world. And let's remember God's salvation. If you don't know Jesus, He longs to save you from your sins if you would put your belief and your hope and trust in Him. Just call upon Him. Say, Jesus, save me. Just like He saved Rahab. He, he saved me. He saved so many in this room. He rescued us from, from hell and from eternal destruction. God's salvation. If Jesus has saved you, then praise Him every day. And let's do that right now. Sing a song to Him together as we wrap this up. Lord,
Let's stand together and pray. Lord, we thank You that You are so great. Your timing is perfect. Your ways are perfect. You're holy. Help us, Lord, to trust Your ways. Help us, Lord, to fear You in a healthy, respectful, awe-inspired way. Help us to rejoice in Your salvation, Lord. We just love You. Fill us, uh, fill us right now with fresh thanksgiving, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.